Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Masecha Sota Dafya Tess, starting another parak. This is the parak of Hayanotel. And while we've discussed in general the Korban Mincha, today we're going to be discussing the actual flow of events and a machlokas tanaim therein about the Korban Mincha. The Mishnah opens at the new parak on Yud Tess and says as follows. The Kohen would take her mincha, mitoch kfifa mitris, he would take it from her basket, which we discussed was made from the vine that was grown at the, at the base of a palm tree. And it was then put into a klisharis, so it was transferred from the kfifa mitris to the klisharis. And then it was given back to her. The Kohen would then put his hand under her hand, umenifa. And he would guide her uh, tnufa, her moving of the korban mincha back and forth, up and down, whatever the details are of the tnufa. And the general flow of events, as the Gemara is. What? Wait until the end of the mission. Patience. <laughs> Patience. Don't steal the thunder. We kind of skipped a few steps, or we didn't. We'll see. So the general flow of events is like this. Hanif, there's Tnufa, there's shaking, Vihigish, and then it's presented. Then there's Kamitsa, Kamats, and Vihikter, and it's actually put onto the Mizbech. We learned about the Shirayim, that after the Kamitsa is done, the remainder of the Korban Mincha is then available to the other Kohanim to eat. We also spoke about a number of Blatigo. They could make it tasty, they could add in honey, they can add in a whole bunch of other good things to make it taste good. You know, sometimes you get that oatmeal and it's like very plain. This is just literally just flour and water. Like it's not, it's not kishmak. And it can't become chametz either. They have to, it's a quick. Flour and oil. Flour and oil, excuse me. Flour and oil. Yeah. So then they got to add things in. All right. Now is the part where Stan comes in. Mm-hmm. So approach number one, we'll call this one the Tanakama. He said, first she would drink and only after would she be makrib the korban mincha. So namely everything we just learned is uh, is after the drinking post. However, Rib Shimon Omer, no. Makrib is mincha, sabachar The other way around. Korban mincha was brought first, and only afterwards would she drink. Why did uh, Rabbi Shimon hold that way? Afterwards. So this afterwards, Rib Shimon understands as after the uh, Korban mincha is brought. And Reb Shimon concludes with the Din B'Dievet. And im if in fact you did reverse the order, you drank first and then you were Hikriv Esmin Chasa, don't worry, Ladina, Ksheira, it's still going to be kosher even if it's out of order. So we have a machlokas in what the Din L'Chadchila is. Do we say that it's Mincha before Mashke or Mashke before Mincha? They're like, this is like Purim Torah. A makbed on mashke before mincha. <laughs> so that's like that's already some some on. Uh, who's that shita? We have to quote it properly. That's uh, mashke. Which one is it? mashke. So that the the Tanakama holds that way. All right, let's dig in. Omar le Rabbi Elazar le Rabbi Yoshia de Very interesting additional word. The Gemara says that Rabbi Elazar who was a relatively early Amora, he was talking to Rabbi Yoshia. Now, Rabbi Yoshia is also a Tana, but he had to specify here in the Gemara, the Dare of his generation. Namely, there was Rabbi Yoshia, who was also an Amora. He was not besmirching and talking sharply to Rabbi Yoshia, the Tana. That would not happen. Just like we don't speak to our elders, hopefully, in a disrespectful tone, there isn't a chance on planet Earth that... Uh, Rav Lazar would say what he's about to say to Rav Yoshia, to Rav Yoshia the Tana. He was saying it to one of his peers in the base Medrash. And he says, 
Don't sit down. Until you've explained to me the following line. How do we know, like our Mishnah had already told us, that the woman has to do tnufa with the Korban Mincha? So says the Gemara, have you ever opened the Chumash Minola? And the Pasuk says, <laughs> Come on. Don't, don't, this isn't even a T-ball. This is a nothing. You're, this is a nothing. It's an open Pasuk and Chumash. So says the Gemara, no, Pashat, that that's the case. We're talking about Bibailim in Nolan. How do we know that she, or possibly the husband, how do we know that there is Tnufa with the Bailim? Typically, it's only done Behenif HaKohen, right? That's what a language we're familiar with. So here the Gemara is asking a little different. How do we know, know that the Tnufa by a case of the Mincha of Sota, how do we know that that is going to be moved around by the Bailim, by the owners? So the Gemara responds, we're two-thirds of the way down, Asya, Yad Yad Mishlam. We have a Gzera Shava with the word Yad from the world of Shlamim. That's our Pasuk by Sota. Over there, by the world of Shlamim, Yodav Tiviena. And the Gemara has two inferences of Agzer Shabbat. Number one, A Kohen has to be involved in both cases. A Kohen has to be involved in the Sota, in regards to the Sota moving around doing the Tnufa, and so too by Shlamim. And Umala Halan Bailim, just like over there by the world of Shlamim, the Bailim are involved. Afkan Bailim, and the Gemara says, that's how we therefore know that when it comes to the Veheinif of our case of Sota, we learn from Xer Shabbat, Yad Yad from Shlamim, that it has to be the Bailim along with the Kohen. HaKetzad, how does this work out? How do we fulfill both requirements that there's a Kohen and Bailim? It must be Manich Yado, Tachas Yidei, HaBailim Umenif. Beautiful. Very clean. The Gemara is just trying to figure out exactly how it works out that we would have a case scenario that there's Tnufa by Sota we learn from Xer Shavah. So the Gemara now is bothered by the following. And this really, Stan, you were really asking this question without possibly even knowing it. The Gemara is bothered by the order of the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah starts out with no Tales Min uh, all the details. And then afterwards it says, But according to the machlokas that we have between the Tanakam and Rib Shimon, where one is saying that we're mashka before the mincha, and one is saying that we're mashka after the mincha, the, the Gemara says in the beginning of the Mishnah, the Mishnah says in the beginning that it was makrav already. And only later in the Mishnah do we get to the machlokas. It says the Gemara, Nohachi Kamar. In general, when we talk about menachos, what is the typical rule? So says the Gemara, the general rule is that's the typical rule. And and then the Mishnah said, And then, There is an isolated machlokas, one that isn't part of the flow of Hanif, Higish, Kamatz, Vihiktir. Stop, we have a machlokas as to what comes first, the Haktara, the Mincha, or the mashke. And in that, pligi rib shimin, virabonon, five lines from the bottom. Dirabonon, savre, according to the sheets of the rabbonon, mashke veacherkach, makrebes minchasa, the tanakama, like we saw in our Mishnah, holds that they're mashke, and only afterwards is the korban mincha brought. It's assuming, of course, he doesn't blow up, right? You have to remember the flow of events here. It's very complex to get all of this right, because if, in fact, she dies, I guess she doesn't need kapara and kapara gedolamimisa, but then you can't bring the mincha. Okay, that's a side point. So that's where we see our chlokas is over here is in regards to um, whether or not the mashka is before the mincha or vice versa. And don't worry, the Mishnah wasn't out of order when it first spoke about 
and then only afterwards did it discuss what comes first, Mincha or Mashke. It was just because it was unknown. The Mashke was left out of the Mishnah, which really was your question. Why is Mashke left out of the Mishnah? Mishnah. Because the Mishnah was first presenting the general flow of events for a Korban Mincha. Okay, we have a unique Machlokas over here by Sota. Fine, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the basic presentation of a Korban Mincha is as we saw in the beginning of our Mishnah. And the very last line of your last two lines of your testament, Aleph, the Gemara references the Mishnah that Rav Shimon says that if you went out of order, if she drank and only afterwards brought the Mincha, so it's kosher. Now let's take a look at the Brisa on the top of your testament base. As a presentation for this Brisa, we have to recognize that it has a reference to drinking. Uh, the May Sota, three times in the Pesukim. And we're going to try and figure out why did we need all three references. It says the Gemara, that she should drink. We already have the word Vishka in the later Pesuk. says the Gemara, why do we have both? To teach us that if after the Megillah was already dissolved and scratched off into the May Sota, and then Ve'omeris Eini Shose, if afterwards she says, I'm not drinking this, says the Gemara, Me'ar Erin Osa, Umashken Osa Bal Korcha, Divi Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says the reason why we have two words, Vihishka, one of them is for Stam, to teach us the basic din. And the second is that if a woman says, I'm not drinking this after Shem Hashem was Nimchak, too bad, you're drinking this. Nothing to talk about. And in fact, we force her. We'll see soon in the Gemara that they put a piece of metal in her mouth to pry it open so that she would then be able to be forced to gargle it. Now, I don't know if you've ever given uh, medication and a plunger to a toddler, but it's very, very difficult to get someone to swallow something that they don't want to swallow. So there's tricks for babies, put it down the side of their mouth, make them swallow a whole host. Of, what do you do for a grown adult? You must, it's waterboarding. You lean their head back, you prop their mouth open, you pour it in, and drink, drink, drink. So the Gemara says in the name of Rebbe Akiva. But that burns you. That burns you. But it burns you. Same idea, similar. Right, right. I didn't even know that. But here, we're not even talking, but we'll see soon that they literally. Yeah. That's, uh, it's terrible. That's what? Usually kids, you guys are talking about. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put this into my parenting program yeah. that I'm working on. This is fantastic. I'll coach you. I'll coach you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to this. David Merzel is our... Uh, he's on video now. So that was the din of Rabbi Akiva as to why we had the word Behishka twice. Reb Shimon Omer, we have another pasuk. What does Reb Shimon say about the third pasuk? Ella, he says we have three pasukim for three very good reasons. There are three things that are ma'akev, the drinking. Number one, you can't drink until there's kmitza. Number two, you can't drink until the megillah is nimchak, which sounds pretty obvious. How can you drink? Without the mechika, we're going to ask about that in a minute. And she has to say amen to the shvua in order to bring the uh, the in order to drink the mesota. Let's analyze all three of these ten lines down your testament base. We're going to be going to the mishnah on the top of chafam adal. Says the gemara, 
This is beautiful, according to Rabbi Shimon, that one of the needs of the three psukim, the three times it says mashke or vihishka, one of them is to remind us the din of Rabbi Shimon, that we're makriv the mincha first and only afterwards are we mashke. And that's very mashma according to his approach in the psukim. But obviously, he died. What? 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 But the end of the mission, he says he's so shira. Yeah, I'm asking that question in general, just like. No, no, I'm saying it's not going to be broad. If. In other words, here we're saying there's three things that they have to be involved. Prior to drinking. That's what he's saying. Each reference of Hishka in the So one of them is about the Kamitsa. Right, so how do you say Bidiyevin? Even Bidiyevin. In other words, there's a good chance that if she dies, if she takes the soul, if she drinks, yeah. now she's dead. They're not being a total mission. So what? So she died. But that, then you're not being a mission. No, I'm saying that you're not. It's not that you bring that up that you drink one of the three legs you need. Right. I don't understand your question. No. What if she doesn't die? Then she'll bring the korban mincha. Okay, that was the same question I was asking before. It's it's an oddity because, according to this approach, you run the risk of the korban mincha not being brought. But that's not as risky as mechika sashem without her drinking. Like that case where the tapsukim are like, yeah, that's mechika sashem. That's Mr. Daraisa that we have to offset. Okay, the Torah was matir mechika for the sake of shalom bias, but we. What is she gonna drink? That's the Gemara's question. I'll get to that in a minute. That's the Gemara's question. Beautifully done. With Binyamin. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Binyamin in the making. Yeah. Okay, then the Gemara says, Ad Shalom Nimcha Kamagila, that one of the three references of Hishka Nupsukim is to teach us that you can't drink the Mesota until you've been Mochik Shem Hashem. Says the Gemara, your beautiful questioner by Adler, Elamai Mashkela. What? Uh, you, you can't drink the water until you put it in the cup. Thank you very, very much for your it's Captain Obvious. What are you talking about? So says the Gemara, we learn a critical din of Hilchos Soto. Says the Gemara, Here's how this works. What do Sofrim do when they find a mistake in a Sefer Torah? They take a scalpel and they scratch against the, the cloth until the problem goes away. What if all of the cloth's ink had been removed? But there was still an impression when the sofer wrote the psukim that are inside the Megillah. Says the Gemara, you didn't scratch off enough. You need to scratch the parchment, the parchment enough so that the rishum is not nikar anymore. So you would, in theory, have a drink to drink. You have a cup, you have your water in it, you have your revis of water, whatever it is, and you scratched off everything that you need to know. There's no ink left on the parchment. But if you look, you can still see an impression from the quill. You didn't scratch off enough. Have a mina, maybe you can drink. Only the ink without the removing the impression of the parchment come out and that's not true. Well, they, they wrote it on leather. What? I thought they wrote it on a piece of leather. This is a piece of cloth. Anyone here otherwise? I never heard about metal. Yeah. Yeah. Fact, yeah but it didn't like cloth. It couldn't be on yeah. We had the the, the, the it was a it was a chiddush by Gittin that we allow a get, a get yeah. to be written on anything. Yeah, that's what we're correct. Correct. Like not like that. Yeah. I think here is Dafka Miguel. And the third reason, according to Rabbi Shimon's approach to the Psukim, the third reason as to why we needed the word Vihishka was Shvua. So it says the Gemara, if she doesn't take the Shvua yet, so okay, maybe she shouldn't be able to drink. But maybe even before she took a Shvua, she should be able to have the Megillah written up. 
That says the Gemara, that can't be. To write a Megillah Sota before she is Mekabal Shvua is a zero. So says the Gemara, and we've seen this phrase once or twice in Shas before, once apparently, Rosh Hashanah, Kedei Nispa. And this is a very difficult language to translate, and I'll just go to Rashi, because Rashi is Rashi. And Rashi says, Kedei Nispa, two lines before the wide lines in Rashi. Kedei Nispa, Really, you're right. This wasn't necessary. You're right. We can't even write. Okay. So that means that we learned a few things from these uh, three dinim. That's his pshat in the psukim. And what fundamentally are they arguing about? Now, really, the what, what's going to happen over the next little bit is similar to the previous part of the Brisa, but it's a little bit more detailed. So we're going to go through this now. But my kamifleg, really, what was the machlokas about? Says the Gemara, halfway down in New Testament base, there are three psukim that we're contending with. Vihishka kama, the first time it says vihishka, and then it says vahar yishka, and afterwards she shall drink, and then vihishka basra, then it says vihishka the second time. So these are our three marmakomos. Rabbanon savre, the rabbis were of the opinion that vihishka kama is lagufo. It's just to teach us the basic din of the psukim, shemashka vahar kach makrabes minchasa. And vahar yishka, what does that second reference to drinking teach us? To remind us that even if you scratch off all of the parchment, that is an insufficient mm-hmm. amount of scratching. We need to scratch the parchment to the point that we no longer see the quills indentation into the parchment. And Vihishka Basra, what is the last time when it says Vihishka that she has to drink? What does that teach us? So says the Gemara, that if the Megillah was scratched off, and at that point she sticks her heels in the ground and says, we're not allowing that, she can't get away with that. So all of that is the Tanakama. And says the Gemara, what? Oh, that's a great question. But we'll see at the end of the Gemara today that it was very, very bitter. It might not have been shaykh to a bracha. If you drink bleach, you don't make a bracha. If you drink, uh... So this is water with ink and it's made intentionally to be, and mud, and it's made intentionally to be mar. That's what the Gemara says, as we'll soon see. Uh, yeah, davar mar. Kodem, kodem mechika alma machmas davar acher heimar ve'en marira al shem close. <laughs> it was disgusting. Chorah was disgusting. Yes, yeah, toilet water. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We don't make a Yeah. Even the pink stuff, which may even have a bubblegum flavor. Chorah, I don't know what the post can say about that. I've never made a bracha on that in my life. Doesn't mean I'm right. It just uh, means I've never. If there's a nos garon, maybe we should. Pepto-bismol tastes like chalk. But if you are drinking something that actually has a re, I'll give you the best example of this is a cough drop. But a cough drop that you really, but Be'etzim, you need the cough. I'm not saying stomp like my kids like the Ludens because there's no medicine in Ludens. So they're candies. But like when I take a Sucrets on Rosh Hashanah to, uh, because, I, because I have psychosomatic problems. So then uh, should I make a bracha on it or not? Yes or no? So that's where the shayla really comes up. Okay, Virab Shimon, two thirds of the way down, says as follows: Savar the achar yashke. The second mare makom says legufo shemakrebes minchas of achar kach mashke. They learn the pesuk in the exact opposite way, that uh, the minchas first and then she drinks the sota. Vihishka kama. The first time it says that she has to drink. What does that teach us? Shim hishka ve'achar kach hikrebes minchas akshera. 
that if she does it out of order, it still counts. Now, remember that this was the first time in the Parsha of Sota that it uses the word Vihishka. So think about how odd that is. The first time that Torah uses the word Vihishka, it's not to teach us that she should drink. It's to teach us that if she drinks out of order, Bidiyevet, it's kosher. <laughs> it's so odd. Why would a Godesh Baruch Hu write the Torah that way? Why would you teach a Din Bidiyevet first? Teach me the Din first. And then, Bikoshi Rab, teach me a Din Bidiyevet. When does the Torah teach us Din and Bidiyevet? A drush and a pasuk. Gemara is going to ask about this soon. And Rav Shimon says, Vihishka basra those are the, that's how each of these two tanoim navigate the psukim. So the two brises, they actually have differences. The brise up top, and what we just learned, there are some slight differences, not for today's analysis. Asks the Gemara on this approach, how do the rabbis get out of Rib Shimon's approach to the psukim? Super easy. The Torah is not going to start talking about a din bidiyevet, of if you drink it. Ladies and gentlemen, sota is one of the most odd things in the world. By the way, if you're out of order, it's good. What do you mean out of order? What is she drinking? Is there a mitzvah to drink? What are we talking about? What's in the water? You can't start by teaching me a din bidiyevet. So the Rabbanon outright reject the shita of Rib Shimon. Now we had said on the top of our page, in the name of Rebbe Akiva, that if a woman um, decides to not drink the may the may sota after the mechika sashem. So then the din is that we force her to drink. So it says the the Rabba, the gemara a question on Rabbi Akiva on the top of the page. He was very clear that he felt that she should be forced. But here the gemara says Rabbi Akiva Do we really do that? The Atanya, yes, there is an opinion like that, but it's not Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Huda Omer Kalbus shall barzel matich we put a piece of metal inside of her mouth. It's a curved piece of metal. Because if it were to be the case that the Megillah was nimchak, and then she, she digs her heels into the ground and says, I'm not drinking. So this is actually doesn't even come up in Rabbi Akiva's language, which was the one who presented this idea. It's Rabbi Yehuda. What does Rabbi Akiva say in response to this? And this is where our question is going to be. Remember, Rabbi Akiva at the top of the page was the one who taught us the din, that if she says, Eini Shosa, we force her. What does he say here? Two lines before the wide lines. Amar Rabbi Akiva, klum anu labotka. Halobotka veomedes. When she says, Eini Shosa, guess what we know about her? She's guilty. On the top of the page, Rabbi Akiva said, we force her to drink. And here Rabbi Akiva says, no need it's an admittance of guilt by inference. If she says, Aini Shosa, that's because she doesn't want to blow up. And she decided, eh, now is the time to, you know, to admit that I was inappropriate, that I, that I was, uh, you know, not a very good wife. Ella says, Rabbi Akiva, still part of Rabbi Akiva, she's a first long line. How does it work out? Ella, ad up until the time of the hakrava of the komets, of the kmitz of the kohen, she can go back. But when there is So there's a machlokas Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Huda says that no matter what we force her to drink, Rabbi Akiva says that up until the hakrava sakomets, she's allowed to retract. But once the kmitz is brought, then we do force her. Yeah, yeah, it's a site that's a, it's correct, but it's 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 correct. Yeah, hundred percent correct. Says the Gemara, you're right. It's a problem with Rebbe Akiva, 
But before we get to the question on Rabbi Akiva, mm-hmm. let's deal with another issue first. According to this question, we have a problem within this b'risa itself, the one that we just learned, which is the steer to Rabbi Akiva. What's the problem? We learn, that once the akrava of the komets is brought, then she's not allowed to be chozer, and then we do force her even according to Rabbi Akiva. But why? If she at that point says, Aini Shosa, why didn't we make the same inference before the Hakrava of the Komets and after? If Rabbi Akiva was willing to say, okay, the, the, the Kamitz of the coin wasn't done. Oh, she said, Aini Shosa. Okay, she's guilty. Baruch Hashem, she admitted we don't have to lose another person in Klaisra. And then the Gemara says, no, no, Rabbi Akiva says, if there's Kamitza, if there's Kamitza, then that's the line in the sand. Why? Says the Gemara, three lines into the white lines. Now we know what happened. Because she doesn't want to die. Who cares about the Kmitza? It says the Gemara, One is where a woman is responding out of fear. We can tell she's jittery, she's nervous, she's uncomfortable. It's obvious that she's very scared. And And one is talking about a case where she says with confidence, shosa. Oh, so what does this mean? Don't know yet. The Gemara says, Here's Pshat in how we answer this internal struggle within the Brisa. Says the Gemara as follows. If a woman says with perfect confidence, she's not breaking a sweat, and she says, um, I'm just letting you all know that I will not be drinking the Mesota. So all the Rabbanim Chashuvim are there, they're going to say, she's guilty. No reason for her to give to press to give her the mesota. However, machmas resisa. If a woman is now speaking out of fear, she's speaking out of nervousness. Then things change. That's when we add in the line in the sand of the kmitza. It says the Gemara up until the time that the coin does kmitza lo imchok megillah because the megillah has yet to be erased or. Or if there was a case scenario where the Megillah was erased too early, incorrectly, in those cases, there she's allowed to recant and she's allowed to say, uh, but when when it's a case of Mishikarava Komets, once the Hakravas Komets was in place, and really the timing of the Mechika was really immediately after the Kmitza, then Lomatsi Hadraba, and we use the line in the sand of, of Kmitza. Fine, we answered the internal problem. We didn't answer the Rabbi Akiva problem. We didn't explain how on the top Rabbi Akiva says we force, and on the bottom he says that no, no, it depends on Kmitza and Mishum Rasisa. It says the Gemara on the top of Dafchaf Medalif heading to the Mishnah, Kasha the Rabbi Akiva, the Rabbi Akiva. What do we do about that? On the top of the page of Daphne Testament Bays, we saw Brysa that said Mechika was Me'akev. And here we see at the Brysa on the bottom of your Testament Bays that according to Rabbi Akiva, it wasn't all cases of Eni Shoset. It was only cases where the Kmitza was the line in the sand. So how do we answer this? And the Gemara gets out without any lumdus, just a cop out. I'm not criticizing the answer. I'm just saying it's a simple answer. Trey Tanoi Rabbi Akiva. They just weren't sure from Shir that Rabbi Akiva gave as to what the line in the sand was. Do we say that every time Shem Hashem is nimchak, we force her to drink? Or do we say, no, it's only if the kmitza was done? Okay, so machlokas within Rabbi Akiva, we just don't know the answer to that. The Gemara says, let's talk about the fear factor common. In the base Medrash, they asked the Shiloh. of three lines down. Amra, if a woman said, She said with perfect confidence, 
what did that normally typically mean to us? That she's guilty, right? Then the Omra Shosani. And then she says, I recant my recanting. She says, I actually do want to drink it. Mahu. Says the Gemara, do we say it's effectively saying that I'm basically saying I'm guilty. And the therefore you're stuck. Once she says with confidence that I am not drinking, that is the same exact thing as saying I slept with another person that I shouldn't have slept with. Same thing. And therefore you're done. <laughs> Whatever the punishments are, they are. <laughs> but the Mesota doesn't work. Oh, or perhaps. Or maybe now that she's coming back and saying, uh, you know, uh, that I really am going to be Shosa now, maybe it only reveals that earlier she only tried to get out of it by saying that I that she slept with someone and really it was just out of fear. So we're trying to get into her psychology. What kind of inferences can we make about how she said what she said? That's what the Gemara doesn't know. The Gemara doesn't know that if a woman says with perfect confidence, I'm not drinking this, which to me and to the Gemara means she's guilty. It means that she slept with a man that she shouldn't have slept with. And then she actually comes back five minutes later and says, okay, give me the cup. I'll drink it. That's the Gemara's question. Does Mesota still work in that case? And the answer is take it. We don't know. So that woman, if she says confidently, I'm going to drink, I'm not going to drink the mesota, which means I slept with a man. So then the Gemara says uh, on its own, for sure, she would, the mesota will not work. But if she then comes back and says, no, no, I'll drink it. That might reveal that when she said earlier that she slept with a man, she was just scared of drinking the mesota. But now she's like, no, no, I'm really innocent. I'll drink it. So that's teku. We don't know the answer to that question. Lastly, for today, we need to add something bitter to the water. This was not a fun drink to drink. This was, uh, it was pretty gross. My time of why do we have to add something bitter to Amar Kra? The water is defined as being mar, which means that when you, your base, as it were, your base of the drink was water that was bitter. So you had to add something into it to make it bitter. And then you add the mud, and then you scratch in the the do the ink and that would be the drink that we're talking about. Let's stop right here. We'll pick up Amir Tashem tomorrow night. Um, public service announcement: I'm out of town next week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, heading off to to Panama, uh, and I'll be posting recordings in the morning throughout. Much to your chagrin, I know. I know you. I know you like him very much. <laughs> Have a good night.